Welcome to Annaswick Church. We hope this message from our senior leader, Viv Liebersight, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. I have a word to share and it is part two. I'm on, I'm a, on a little personal series of my own, as we do, and amongst the series of the church. And uh, actually it was five weeks ago that I was here and I had part two. So today, part one, today's part two. Don't get ahead of myself. I have a part three, but I'm not going to do that today. That's coming. But let me, I just want to start off in um, Matthew 7, 24 to 25. These words, this is Jesus. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. Who's the rock? Who's the rock? His name is Jesus. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, hello, and don't work them into your life. You are like a stupid, stupid? It's actually the, that's in the Bible, it's the message version, so it's a bit edgy. You're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. Can you just hear it? Like, Huge applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Amen. And I want to agree with that. Jesus is the best preacher. He's the best teacher. And this is at the end. This is Matthew 7. And it's the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you want to know what Jesus says and feels and thinks about a whole bunch of stuff to do with our lives, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's his first words he ever preached. So those three chapters, oh my goodness, will give you everything that you need to live your life. They are profound teachings. At the beginning of chapter 7, just to give you an example, it says this. This is just to give you a little bit of a clue. Don't pick on people. This is Jesus. This is him, his words, his profound teaching. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Don't do that. Criticise their faults. Don't do that. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Ooh. The critical spirit has a way of boomeranging coming back to you. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbour's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole travelling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe the ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbour. What's Jesus saying? He's basically saying, stop judging others. So that's at the beginning of Matthew 7. Amazing. So his word is such a foundation for us. And if we build our life on His Word, on Him, our lives, no matter what happens, will stay solid. 
No matter what comes our way, we will not be knocked over. We might feel a little bit like, oh man, that was a blow, but we will come back up because our lives are built right on the rock on who Jesus is. So a few weeks ago, five weeks ago, actually, I asked this foundational question. Who remembers it? Who remembers the question that I asked? It was a why question. Excellent. Why do you follow Jesus, Rebecca? You are just amazing. Why do you follow Jesus? Now, ask that question because it's so important. I want to remind you of it. And um, I've had so many people with some, because I asked I shared that thought at Saxon and I've had so many good feedback and people saying, man, I've never, to be able to put it into words has been so empowering. And I had, actually my father came up to me, he goes, do you know why I follow Jesus? I said, no, Dad, tell me. He goes, because he knows my name and he calls me by my name. I go, oh. That's so good, so good. So the why is so important. It's your anchor, as I said before. There's another foundational question I have to ask you today, and it's one that Jesus himself asked of his disciples. So why do you follow Jesus? So remember, you've got to have the answer to that, the why. This is a question that Jesus asked of us. In Matthew 16, When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, now this is not the question, what are the people saying about who the Son of Man is? Oh, it is kind of the question, but anyway. They replied, some think he is John the baptizer, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Here it is. Who, who do you say I am? Simon Peter, right off the bat, I love him. Uh, He just goes like this. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Bam, just like that. Who do you say? Who do you say I am? You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. How powerful is that question? It's a foundational question because unless we know who he is, how on earth are we going to follow him? He is the rock. We need to know who he is. Jesus came back straight away and said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. So this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And Simon Peter got it real quick, real quick. Who do you say I am? Why do you think Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Why do you think he asked that huge question right at the end of the Sermon of of the Mount? Why he asked that is because each one of us, like I said, we've got to know for ourselves who Jesus is. Not our parents. It's not who our parents think he is. It's not who my dad thinks he is. It's not who my grandparents think he is. It's not who my husband thinks he is. Or my friends. And it's not who our pastors think he is. You see, who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? How would you describe Jesus, the son of the living God, the Messiah, the anointed one? Who is he? 
to you. Well, Jesus helps us with this. He's amazing. He never just leaves us with a question and no answers. Throughout the Word of God, He actually answers that question for us very, very easily. And the first answer comes in Matthew, John, no, John 8 to 12. He says this. Jesus once again addressed them. I am the world's light. I am the light of the world. No one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. So who is Jesus? He is the light of the world. He says it of himself. I am the light of the world. You imagine if right now we didn't have any light. We take it for granted, right? That we can just go to the wall and turn a switch on and we have light. Without light, without light, we stumble around in the darkness. Like physically without light. Anyone been without light? You know, when we have a power cut and suddenly you go to put lights on, it's like, oh, nah. And we like, you know, try and light the place up with like candles or torches or whatever, or you're camping and there's no light. And it's like, oh my goodness. And we just take it for granted because without light, we are consumed by the darkness. Darkness consumes us. And all over this world, there is darkness. It's consuming. And Jesus is saying, hello, I am the light of the world. Why is it so important that He is the light of the world? To make a way in the darkness, to show the way, to lead people to the Father. So I'm so grateful for Jesus being the light of the world. And we just say, thank you, Lord, that you show us the way. How about this one? Anyone love lots of food? Who loves a great feed? What's the greatest, the biggest, probably the meal of the year that we eat the most food in? Food in? Christmas, yeah, right there. We just like layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of like food. We have so many meats, genuinely. We have so much kind of stuff. We won't name it all because we'll start getting hungry. And then we have desserts and we have bites and we have snacks and we have nibbles and we have like turkey, ham, lamb, chicken, pork, I don't know, whatever else, brisket probably if you're at Dave's place. Do you do brisket on Christmas Day? Nah, nah, nah. Turkey. Who has turkey? Who does turkey? Oh, yeah, a few. Generally, they're quite dry unless you really know what you're doing. Okay, so we can have this humongous feast, right? And we feel so full and it's lovely for a start and then you feel sick and you really wish that you hadn't overeaten. And you go to bed and you wake up and you think, man, I am not eating for a week. <laughs> and then what happens the next day? You wake up and you are hungry. In fact, for me, I'm more hungry. I'm probably scrounging around at three o'clock trying to find something to nibble on, like I was last night, scrounging around nibbling on things like a mouse in the pantry. <laughs> we caught seven mice last week. We were away on holiday. We caught seven mice, sneaky little mice. <laughs> Let me read this to you. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. <laughs> he is that. He is the <laughs> I am, Crystal, you want to come up here and preach because you're doing a good job. <laughs> I am the bread of life. 
The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. (laughs) I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. He's saying, I am the bread of life. Come to me and you'll never, never be hungry. I'm gonna read the rest of it because it's so good. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, this is great news, I hold on and don't let go. That's an encouragement to someone in the room or people that you know who maybe have wandered off. Maybe you've got kids or you've got family members or friends. This is the truth. Once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own whim, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. That's Jesus. He is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. What do you think Jesus means when he says, no one who comes to him will ever be hungry? What do you think it means? I think that means this. It means that he fills the empty voids in our life those empty spaces, those places where we try and fill in, fill up with everything else. And nothing else will do. Nothing else will do except Him. It's like we look for love in all the wrong places. We try this, we try that. Try, and nothing else completes us or fulfills us except Jesus, amen, because He's the truth. He says, I am the bread of life and I will sustain you. Not like a Christmas feast does, but his, he sustains us. You can be even hungry physically, and that's not nice. We don't like that feeling. But he sustains us even beyond that. Incredible. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a sustainer. Here's another one. I am the vine, and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, ooh, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. That's quite out there. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, there's a foundational teaching, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who He is. When you produce grapes or fruit, that's when you mature as my disciples. So Jesus says, I am the vine. So He says, I'm the light. I'm the bread of life. I am the vine. And it's so important that we stay connected to Him. So we're the branches, if you imagine a tree. We're the branches and he's the vine. If we get ourselves disconnected, we will stop growing fruit. And it's really important for us as disciples on this journey of discipleship that we produce fruit. Fruit, the good things. That's what discipleship is all about. It's not just a bless me up club. It's actually us being used by him. Goodness, kindness, not judging others, loving Forgiving. They're fruits. There's so many fruits. I haven't got time to go into them. But we need to stay connected to Him. Connected to Him by worship, reading the Word, prayer. You hearing me? I am the vine. Who is He to you? Who is He? He also says that I'm the Good Shepherd. I am the gate. I love the Good Shepherd one. We won't go into it, but I'm the Good Shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep. 
knows his, their voices and his sheep know his voice. Do you know the voice of the shepherd? I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate, the word also says. And we go through him. He is the way, the truth and the life. I am, thank you, Crystal, the way, the truth and the life. It says in John 14, verse six. I wanna finish with this one. John 11. This is such a powerful part of the scripture. And we must believe this part of who Jesus is. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. And then it says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Come on, follower of Jesus. Do you actually believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you actually believe that when you leave your mortal body, because it is appointed once for, for man to die, we all will die. But those who are in Christ, who believe in him, don't actually die. We go on to live, live, live. Get it? We live, live, live. This last week, I spent some time with a friend who was in her last days. She's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And over two weeks ago, she was given two weeks only. And I sat with her. And it was a privilege to be able to, to pray with her, of course. We always pray for healing. I said, what do you want? She said, I just want a little bit longer. I just want a little bit longer. It's just too short. It was a shock. So I said, we will pray for that. We'll also pray for healing, but we'll pray that you have a bit longer. She's got a bit longer. It's good, hey? She's got some more days. I shared this scripture with her because she hasn't been around for quite a few years in church, church circles. So it was a privilege to speak to her and say, the one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And she goes, yes, I do. He is my Lord. He is my Lord and my Saviour. I looked her in the eyes and said, you will live. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, yes. Only a year older than me. Way too early, we could think. But you know, it's God's, God's business. It really is his business. How long we live on this planet for. The big deal is, though, do we believe it? Because there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, says this, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? There is no longer any sting in death for those who believe in him. 
But my friends, this is foundational. We're talking about foundations. There's a foundational teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. So everything of who he is is foundational. But you and I, we've actually got to wrestle with these beliefs and ask ourselves, as Jesus asked, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And everything within him was like, please believe it. Because this is what's going to help you when you face tough times, when you face mortal death. This belief will help you endure with joy. Do you understand that? So as followers of Jesus, if you're here today and you've put your faith in him and you've said, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. I thank you, Lord, that you are the resurrection and the life. Guess what? You will live, live. You will live, live. So it's a great thing. There is no fear in death. There is no fear in death. And I said to my friend, are you afraid? She goes, well, I am afraid of how it's going to happen. You know, the unknown of that. It's a funny subject to be thinking about, talking about, but Jesus is talking about it. So why don't we? And I just said to her, Jesus will be with you every step of the way and he will take your hand and lead you. And that is how I've been praying for her. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you offer us eternal life with you. Amen. Amen. The team can come up. We're going to finish up. I just want you to think. I want you to go away from today. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, who do you say he is? Can you describe him to somebody else? What are the words? Is he your forever friend? Is he oh, my peace? I was walking, we had to, of course, we had to park our cars, which happens to be, as we know, a funeral happening. And I was praying for the people, dear Lord, let them know that you are the resurrection and the life today. And as I was walking up the road, I just got this thought, Jesus, who do you say? Who do you say I am? I heard him ask, and I said, you're my healer. You're my healer. You're my healer. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, you are my healer. Met Dave, he was the first person I talked to. He says, I have a migraine. So I just said, Jesus is your healer. Let's pray. Let's put Jesus to action right now. Jesus the healer. Jesus the light. You've got some darkness in your world. You don't know which way to go. Jesus is your light. He will show you the way. Amen. You feel disconnected? He's the vine. Connect with Him and you'll feel connected again. You feel hungry, you feel empty. He's the bread. Get back with Him. Start reading the Word. You're fearing about eternity? Believe the foundational teaching and truth that He is the resurrection and the life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Today we're going to finish off. We're going to sing that beautiful song. Thank you, Jesus. And actually talks in there about 
deaf, whereas your sting, I think it does. And I want us to stand to our feet and worship Jesus because He is the giver of life. And I want each one of you here to be able to answer that question. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say He is? And for yourself, be able to put that into words so that you can tell others who Jesus is. Because who He is to you may be different to me. But you've got to know for you. But there are some of the foundational truths that you need to believe. He is the resurrection and the life. So follower of Jesus, stand to your feet in this place. And we're going to worship Him. And then we're going to close. And today, if you need some healing, because Jesus is the healer, if you need some light in your life, well, He is the light. If you feel like disconnected, well, He's the vine. If you feel hungry, well, He's the bread. I wanna encourage you to come forward and get some prayer and be reconnected to the Jesus that the Bible talks about, the Jesus who He, he describes Himself as this amazing person in Jesus' Name. And this week, everyone in the Connect Group, I want you to be asking these questions. Connect Group leaders, Ask the question, why do you follow Jesus? And then who do you say Jesus is? That's all you need to do. Get your people answering those questions and you will have a rip-roaring connect group, I tell you that. But let's worship, come forward for prayer if you need it and bless your heaps. Lovely to be with you again. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at infoannisbrook.co.nz or visit our website.